This is Father Kevin Hale with the homily for the Solemnity of Pentecost, the 15th of May. I'm sure that we've all been shocked in recent days by the pictures of the wildfire in Alberta, Canada. The fire has consumed an area twice the size of a city, the size of Birmingham. Properties in the path of the fire have been obliterated and the lives of the people in that region completely devastated. We can't imagine the suffering and also the intensity of a fire that has been fuelled by weather conditions and fanned by strong winds. The tragedy and spectacle of such an amazing phenomenon is perhaps a good starting point for describing Pentecost. If the fire and wind associated with a natural disaster creates such drama and effects, imagine what the power of the Holy Spirit does when he, as the fire of God, is unleashed upon the church at Pentecost. The two elements which are used to indicate the Holy Spirit in the Bible are wind and fire. These we heard in the first reading. St. Paul, St. Luke, rather, no doubt had in mind God's revelation on Mount Sinai, recounted in Exodus and Deuteronomy. In the ancient world, the wind was seen as a sign of divine power in whose presence man felt terrified. The wind is described as a strong driving wind and this brings to mind the air that enables us to live on earth. What air is for biological life, the Holy Spirit is for the spiritual life. But we know there is also air pollution, a pollution that poisons the environment and all living things. Just so, there are also pollutions of the heart and of the spirit that weaken and poison spiritual existence. In the same way that we should not be complacent about the poisons in our atmosphere, and so we're more ecologically aware these days, so we should also not be complacent about that air which corrupts the spirit. But alas, it seems, does it not, that our minds and hearts are affected these days by many pollutants that circulate in society. We might think of all the moral pollutants, the things that give people illicit pleasure nowadays, and turn immorality into leisure activities. This so-called freedom is often just a failure to recognise what pollutes, what poisons the soul, and ends up by limiting our human freedom itself. The metaphor of the strong driving wind of Pentecost makes us think of how precious it is to breathe clean, pure air, be it physical air on earth or spiritual air, the healthy air of the spirit that is love within our souls. Fire is the other image of the Holy Spirit that we find in the Acts of the Apostles. Fire, when it goes out of control, consumes everything in its path. We've all seen those images from Canada and how they are now awaiting the arrival of rain to quench the flames. We've also witnessed the effects of fire when man has used it to destroy life on a mega scale, such as Nagasaki and Hiroshima, whereas atomic energy is used as a weapon to bring about mass destruction of life. No wonder all forms of fire put into human hands carry a warning. However, in God's hands, fire becomes something quite different. It becomes the means to renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. We pray this to the Holy Spirit often 
when we need his guidance. And in the liturgy of Pentecost, we ask him to melt the frozen and warm the chill, to guide the steps that go astray. Wind and fire can seem like unrestrained, fearless forces and elements. And this is perhaps why they are the symbols of the Holy Spirit, symbols of Pentecost, which overcomes fear. We know that the disciples fled to the upper room after our Lord's arrest and remained there out of fear of suffering the same fate. After Jesus' resurrection, this fear didn't suddenly disappear. But when the Holy Spirit descended upon them at Pentecost, those men went forth without fear and began to preach the gospel of Christ, both crucified and risen. They had no fear because they felt that they were in stronger hands. Our faith teaches us that the coming of the Holy Spirit does three things, especially when he comes to us in confirmation, which, as the Latin word suggests, confirmare, is to strengthen. He strengthens us in three basic ways, in our relationship with Jesus, he strengthens us to defend our Catholic faith, and he strengthens us to profess our faith. Whenever the Holy Spirit of God enters, he chases out fear as a result. He makes us know and feel that we are in the hands of an almighty love, that whatever happens, his infinite love will never abandon us. The witness of the martyrs, the courage of confessors, the intrepid zeal of missionaries, the sincerity of preachers, the example of all the saints, some of whom were even adolescents and children, all demonstrate this. It is also demonstrated by the very existence of the church, which despite the limits and faults of men and women, continues to sail across the ocean of history, driven by the breath of God and animated by his purifying wind and fire. With this faith and this joyful hope, we repeat today through the intercession of Mary, Mother of the Church, send forth your spirit, O Lord, and renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the mystery of today's great feast, sanctify your whole church in every people and nation, pour out, we pray, the gifts of the Holy Spirit across the face of the earth, and with the divine grace that was at work when the gospel was first proclaimed, fill now, once more, the hearts of believers. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.